Welcome to the City of Refuge podcast, where our mission is to equip a diverse community of Christ followers to make him known. Well, uh, my name is Brandon Freeman. Uh, I am the pastoral candidate here at the church. Uh, today is a bit of a, a bridging sermon. So we have been for the last five weeks going through Psalms, and we're going to be looking at Psalm 63 today as kind of the last psalm of that series. But it's also coming out of what is to come. So I see kind of two streams going into um, our uh, look at Psalm 63. And, and the first comes from some things we discussed actually prior to the psalm series. So uh, I talked about that one of the things that we are going to be looking at starting in the coming weeks is this idea of gospel proclamation, that being a central theme of what we are hoping to do more of and better of as a church in the coming year. But that the way we're going to do that is by seeking to build into the life of our congregation even more some of the foundational pieces that we see in the early church for what, what was it that they devoted themselves to. And you see that in Acts 2 after Peter has given his sermon. You see this, this early picture of the church and it talks about how they are devoted to the apostles' teaching and to prayer and to fellowship and the breaking of bread, these being things that they did over and over and over as a church. And so on the one hand, wanting to build those things into our congregation while we also are beginning to turn outward, wanting those things to lead to greater gospel proclamation. So that's sort of one stream coming into today. The second actually comes from the Psalm series itself. And you know, for that series, we really let each of the preachers pick a psalm that was significant to them, that they wanted to bring to the congregation. But I thought it was neat how there was this recurring theme that ran through a lot of the psalms that we encountered, this idea of hungering and thirsting. So, for instance, in Psalm 23.5, we see this imagery of God preparing a table in the presence of our enemies, and that picture of the good shepherd leading his sheep to where they will find pasture and water and food. We saw in Psalm 107 this image of some wandered in deserts wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Some imagery we're going to see repeated today. And Stephen, when he preached on that, talked about how that wasn't just about their physical condition, that was about the condition of their soul. And then in Psalm 34, we saw this call that Johnny gave us to taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. There has been this repeated call to be hungering and thirsting for God. And I see these two things coming together because... On the one hand, I think it is really important we as a church seek to be devoted to those things in Acts 2. But I also see a danger in it. Like we are going to take time, we're going to go into deep diving on each of those four things. Later in the fall, we're going to spend a lot of time talking about prayer. We're going to look at the life of Jesus. How did he pray? And seeking how do we emulate Jesus in his prayer life. But with each of these things that we could look in, there is a danger that we could start to treat those things in a very mechanical way. Or like an equation, right? If we can just get our 
prayer happening and we can get our teaching happening and we can get our fellowship happening and we can be breaking bread together. If all those things are happening, then, then we've got the, the, you know, the perfect church and everyone's going to come and love Jesus, right? Like it's just an equation of things we do. But we could go about all of those four things and completely miss out on the call to hunger and thirst for God. That there is a thing that being devoted to those things is supposed to point to, and that thing it points to is a longing for God that we experience through faith in Jesus Christ. And so before we even go into some of these things that we are supposed to be devoted to, I want to spend some time as a congregation looking even deeper at what does it mean to hunger and thirst for God. Because I would hate for us to pursue those things, but we would just be going through the motions and our hearts not really being in it, or they being aligned towards some sort of church growth strategy as opposed to this is us longing for God. Uh, we're going to look at Psalm 63 this week and then looking at those three areas that tend to undermine our longing and our hungering and thirsting for God. So with that, I'd like to turn to Psalm 63 now. So if you have your Bibles, if you could please go there. And I'm going to read all of Psalm 63. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down into the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. But the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. So here, this is a psalm of David, and, and David begins with this very evocative image of thirst. He says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Now, I want you to, if you can, remember back to a time when you were really thirsty. Some of you are like, I'm there right now. But, but just imagine to, back to what that was like, what that feeling is like, right? That, that longing. There is, a, there is a deep discomfort there, right? And it's, it's a little bit different than hunger. And in my opinion, it's worse. Because hunger, I've, you know, if you've fasted or gone without a meal, like you've probably experienced where for a time you're really uncomfortable, but then it kind of goes away for a while. Thirst doesn't work that way. It just gets worse and worse and worse 
and then you die, right? <laughs> and that's true for food as well, but whereas you can go for quite a while without food, it is, I think, on average around three days that you can go without water. And as he talks about, there is this faintness in your body that happens long before that, right? You start to get weak. And, and when you have that feeling, like it is all encompassing, right? It is all you can think about is how am I going to get something to drink? It is very distracting <laughs> when you're really thirsty. Like you can probably think back to days in Houston where maybe you were outside and in that heat and just needed something to drink so badly. And... David here says, that's what my soul is like. He had that intensity of longing for God. He compares it to being that thirsty and being in a place where there is no water. So that's the image of not only is he thirsty, but he is looking around him. He is looking at everything around him, and he sees absolutely nothing that can fill that need, right? You can probably think of all sorts of different movies where, you know, someone's wandering in the desert looking for water and they just, there's nothing there. And that's, that's his experience. Like there is this soul level need that he has that he's looking around and not seeing anything. So what does he do? Verse 2, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hands. So what he does is he chooses to go to behold the power and the glory of God. And in this case, he does it by going to the sanctuary. So here he's probably talking about the tabernacle, right? This would have been the place of the sacrifices. This would have been where the Holy of Holy is, where God sort of manifested his presence to his people. This is where he went in order to remind himself to dwell on, to look upon how powerful and how glorious God is. And then he begins to meditate on the steadfastness of the love of God. And this is how he goes about satisfying that need. And I think this is significant how he goes about doing this that is very instructive for us. Because one, I think what he is talking about here in terms of that just base level longing and need for God is something that every human being experiences. I think there is something in the way that God has made us that longs for him, that was back in the garden when Adam and Eve were walking with God every day was filled to its fullest and something that once, when we one day will be with him in glory will be filled to its fullest. But here on earth, we experience that need and that longing for God to be close. That is something that I think is true of all people. But I think it's significant that he talks about how he is like in a dry and weary land where he looks all around him and doesn't see anything that fills that need. And I think that is so indicative of what it is like when you seek for filling that need in ways that are not pursuing God. It is like you are walking around in the desert and all of these things that 
you're hoping can satisfy you just don't quite fill that longing. And this is such a sharp contrast, too, to what I think is the, the narrative around this, because I think in different ways we see in the culture an affirmation of this, a, a, an affirmation that people are longing for something to fill a void in them. There's, there's this longing for something spiritual, a longing for something deeper, of something greater. But the message keeps being, well, the way that you fill this need is you look inside, that you figure out who you are, you figure out what your calling is, and you, you figure out what your identity is, and if you can just get all of those things figured out, then you will not have that longing, that need anymore. And I think what you see here is David does the exact opposite. He does not look in for answers. What does he do? He goes and he seeks to gaze on the, the power and the glory of God. He looks outside himself in order to fill that need and not seeking to try and manufacture something in himself in order to make that happen. So he puts himself in a place of being able to behold God's power and glory. And I think... I mean, this is one of the things that we try and do here on Sunday morning, that as we gather together, that what we are doing is we are gazing on the power and the glory of God and meditating on that. But I also was thinking about like other ways and just kind of a callback from when we did Psalm 19, right? Creation. The heavens are declaring the glory of God and the sky is showing his handiwork day after day is uttering speech and night after night is showing forth knowledge. Like creation is always speaking to us about the power and the glory of God. Like this is another place where we can go to just gaze upon, wow, God made all this. Wow, he's good. Wow, he's powerful. Wow, how much does he love us? So the two things I see him do here, he gazes on the power and the glory of God. He meditates on the steadfastness of love God, of the love of God, and then he responds in the worship of God. You see this in verse 4. So I will bless you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. And fourthly, he meditates on God and the ways that God has helped him. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. David had this practice of always meditating on God and seeking to do that. You know, I, I have, there's another place in Scripture where it talks about David being a man after God's own heart. Right? And the question that always sits around that is, how can that be? Right, Because he made some serious mistakes in his life. But I think this psalm points to maybe one aspect of that. David longed for God deeply. And he responded to that longing by pursuing God himself. And I think that that is an important part of what it means to be a person after God's own heart, seeking after God's own heart, is one having that longing, recognizing it, and seeking God in response to it. And so you see that here. You see him meditating on in the watches of the night. Even on his bed at night when he's sleeping, his mind turns to the things of God. 
and it satisfies them. Verse 5, my soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. I think that that is pointing to that what David was finding was satisfaction for that longing in his soul. You know, as I was reflecting on the psalm, I was thinking about, I mean, how much more than David do we have things to meditate on with regards to gazing on the power and glory of God and gazing on the steadfast love of God, knowing what we know. Knowing what we know about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, where we can look back and we can see the power of God even to raise from the dead, where we can see the glory of God put on display through the life of Jesus and then through the ongoing work of the Spirit. Right? We have thousands of years worth of God's faithfulness and goodness that David didn't have. How much more do we have the capacity to be able to meditate on and think back on the power and the glory and the love and the goodness of God because we know Jesus Christ and we have seen that on display. But I also think that this psalm raises an important question. It was a question I have been asking myself. Do I long for God in the way that David talks about here? Could I, with integrity, tell you that the way I feel about God is that my soul thirsts for him? My flesh faints for him as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Could I with integrity say that that is really my daily experience? Yes, there is a part of it that is just this built-in longing, but there is also something where as we try and fill that with other things, we can lose that longing for God where it just comes to be something in the background where, yeah, God's great, but boy, there's sure a whole lot of other things that I'm longing for more. And I think that's the challenge that this psalm poses to us. Are we still, or do we experience that longing and that desire for God? Do we have that hungering and that thirsting? And that is really the question I wanted to pose to the congregation as we are getting ready to enter into this devoted series. Are we hungering and thirsting? Is that why we want to pray? Is that why we want to seek God in his word? Is that why we want to fellowship together? Is that why we want to break bread together? Is it because we are hungering and we are thirsting for God in the ways that David seems to be talking about here? And if so, are we seeking to fill that longing in the way that Psalm 63 represents? Are we seeking to behold his power and his glory? Are we seeking to know his steadfast love? Are we meditating on him in the watches of the night? And I'll be honest with you, when I really hold my heart up to this, I see, ooh, there's room to grow in this. Right? That, that longing is not as intense as I want it to be. I can think back to times in my life where I experienced things like this, where that was that, that deep, longing for God, and, and you know what? I want more of that. 
And so, in some ways, the application today is pretty simple. Do we have that longing? Are we stepping into our fall together as a congregation, really hungering and thirsting for God? And I would say, if we recognize, we look in our hearts and go, ooh, that longing for God is not there, that we would begin to seek him to change that. Because I, I firmly believe, again, that solutions are not found just by looking in ourselves, but solutions are found by pursuing the God of the universe who has the power to change. And so that if our hearts are not longing for him in the ways that we, we see in the scriptures they should, that the way we pursue that is by pursuing him and asking him to shape that and change that in us. So I want to invite you all, I'm going to have a a time of just prayer of a little quiet to check your heart on this. Where are you? Can you say to God, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water? And if not, that you would seek him to change that in you. So let's pray together. I'm going to have a couple moments of quiet and then I will close us. Heavenly Father, you are our God, and we are earnestly seeking you. And Lord, we long that our souls would thirst for you, that our flesh would faint for you, like we are in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Lord, there is so much that can fill us up, so much that turns us away from you. So, Lord, if there's any heart-level resistance to us loving and longing for you in this way, I pray, God, that you would remove those things now. I pray, God, that we would confess and repent of those things and turn back to you. And that we would press in again to longing for you knowing that in you we will find satisfaction. And that there is nowhere else that we can go to find it. 
We love you and give you all the praise and the glory in your name. Amen.